Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast, where we're here today to bring the Lordship of Jesus, a superior authority and uh, and blessing of Jesus over all of our lives. And you know that's really what we're proclaiming. Life is good when yeah. Jesus is Lord. Amen. I, I say that again. Life is really, really good when Jesus Christ is Lord. And uh, and we're going to get into that in more detail today. But I just want to let everybody know, last week we talked about the Band of Brothers Conference. And uh, this podcast is airing on Thursday mornings. And tonight, Thursday night, we kick everything off. Yeah. And uh, and it's going to be powerful. So I want to encourage anybody that might just still be listening, any man out there that's interested, we're gonna, we have nearly 500 men signed up yep. for this event. It's going to be powerful. And uh, and and just come on out and get equipped. Uh, yeah. You can still come out and prob we'll probably find a spot for you uh, and get you registered even as late at the door. We'll make some way to make it happen. Yeah, come join the party. We just say, hey, I just saw the fun. podcast this morning. Yeah. And, and blame Pastor Ron. <laughs> <laughs> I get blamed for everything. So. Hey, we're going to have great fellowship, powerful words and a lot of good food Amen. Like every it's, year. It's going to be Amen. awesome. Yeah. Going to so. be awesome. Well, hey, last week, we I felt like it was a really important podcast. It's its highlighting some of the concepts that we're dealing with here on at Sunday morning at Living Stones. We're in a series called Modern Life, Jesus Confronts American Culture. And, and we've been talking about how the blessings of America, which come from a Judeo-Christian worldview, we have been the most blessed, most free, most prosperous nation in the history of the world. And of course, all of that is being attacked right now. And we're seeing um, kind of a, a soul sickness that has infected our nation. Uh, we're not as strong, we're not as healthy, we're not as vibrant, we're more divided than mm -hmm. ever. Um, and really, it's because there's a reason for that. It's because, as we shared last week, ideas do have consequences. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and we, are, we are experiencing some of the repercussions of embracing a, a false ideology, turning our back on the Lord. Uh, and my concern right now is not so much the world. The world does that by nature. Right. You know, the, the worldliness rejects God, rejects his wisdom. I'm dealing more with the church right now and making sure that we do not succumb to, to these modern seductions uh, that have really come out of the blessings of God, which is the irony of it all. Yeah. It's not that we shook our fists, rejected God, and embraced paganism. No, we keep <laughs> acting like we love God. Right. The problem is our hearts have really betrayed, and we got some idols of, of modern life in our heart. Well, you, you mentioned functional atheism. Can you explain that real quick? Sure. You know, the difference between blatant atheism, you know? Sure. Well, a great example is uh, I mentioned sexual atheists, all right? So we have a we have a pick and choose culture in America, and I, and I share that that comes out of the amazing you know uh, uh, options we have choices yeah. we have. Yeah, it's devastating. It's a, it's a blessing when you can choose your career or your toothpaste. Yeah. Uh, it's devastating when you begin to pick and choose your faith. Mm -hmm. And so what we have now is we have Christians who are Christians in name only. They would say they love the Lord. They might come to church. They might go to Bible studies. But when it comes to practically living out their lives, they live as if God is unnecessary or as if he doesn't really exist because yeah. they don't need him. They don't honor him. They don't submit to him. Yeah. They don't keep him number one. They, they don't live in such a way, a faith-filled life where they're dependent upon God. Yeah. And the reason, this is the irony of it, the reason we're not dependent upon God is because we're so blessed. <laughs> yeah. We don't need to pray for healing. We go to the doctor. We don't need to ask the Lord for 
to, to provide for our needs, we have a 401k. Uh, we have savings. Now, again, these are great things, but if they cr create a spirit of in independence from God, then they become idolatrous. And so many people are living as functional atheists, or like I said, sexual atheism. There, there are large numbers of woke Christians, and I use that term ridiculously, <laughs> like foolishly. Yeah, because you can't be more woke than yeah, God, yeah, right? more woke than God, right, right, right? Who believe somehow now that sexual ethics, in other words, what the Bible teaches about sexuality, well, that's really not outdated, and we're more sophisticated now, right. and, and so we're not going to really embrace what the Bible clearly teaches about human sexuality yeah. or sexual sin. And so we become sexual atheists. Oh, we still love Jesus, at yeah. least that's what we say. Yeah. But we deny him because we simply refuse to submit to his word. Yeah, that's good. That's and good. Uh, and that's that's a big problem today. But that problem comes out of our blessing. Yeah, and, and we see this historically. I mean, let's just look at the history of the Israelites. I mean, after they into the promised land, Jericho, all that, the, the promises, the parting of the Red Sea and crazy miracles, they settled in the promised land and they got prosperous. And then God, and then when they got prosperous, they fell into corruption, idols, enemies invade, they cry out to God, and just that cycle over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. You know? and, and so the goal is not to say, hey, let's live in poverty and be cursed and not experience blessings so that we are spiritual. Right. right. Nobody wants to go that direction, and nor should we have to go that direction. What we should be saying is, Lord, help me live yeah. in the blessings you provided and use my freedom and use my prosperity yeah. to further the mission of the church. In other words, right. we've got to stay mission-focused, yeah. which is to right. live for the glory of God and live for the blessing of people. Yeah, the Lordship of Christ needs to be at the center of our prosperity, Absolutely. that dependence. And that, to me, is, is why Christ came, you know, the Holy Spirit, to help us not be impoverished, but take that prosperity for His purpose and for His kingdom. You know, Absolutely. Paul says, I'm a slave you know, to Jesus Christ, you know? And, that, and he used that in the best way possible, that he's using everything he has for God's purpose. Absolutely. So, so he's he's free now because of Jesus, but his freedom is under the authority yeah. of Jesus Christ. So he, you're either going to be a slave to sin, the Bible says, or you're going to be a slave to righteousness. Yeah. That Those are our options. Yeah. We're never truly autonomous. But see, this is, this is what we talked about on Sunday. When you have freedom to make choices and you have the prosperity to fulfill the choices that you've made, all right, then what happens is we begin to worship choice, not the content of our choices. Yeah. And so Americans today are pro-choice. In fact, if you want to promote yourself, you want to run for office, then you need to let people know that you support Freedom, basically, that's unlimited. Yep. Uh, freedom to do whatever you want to do. And we're going to provide you with all the free stuff to help you freely live, sometimes without even the consequences of your choices. Yep. We're, we're great in America at removing the pain from bad choices. So here we have today something where we celebrate pro-choice, but we don't even care about what the content of those choices are. Right. And so, for instance, we, we get excited that we can celebrate the taking of human life all the way up to nine months of pregnancy in the most barbaric way possible. And somehow that doesn't matter as long as as long as you can make the choice freely. Right. So we've made an idol out of choice, but the choice came on the backs of liberty and prosperity, yeah. which came from 
the freedom that we have and the blessing right. that we have from Christ. So isn't that ironic? That the you connect the dots and you're like, wait a second, how did it go off all the way out here, this tangent, yeah. Absolutely, and that that is mm. the seduction that I talked about, mm. is moving out from under authority yeah. to where we now celebrate personal preference. Right. And you know, I brought up this book last week, Consequences of Ideas. And another book uh, that's great about learning worldviews and ideas is uh, How Now Shall We Live yeah. by Chuck Colson. Yeah. And, that's a classic. And I forgot the other author's name. Uh, Nancy Pierce. Nancy Pierce, who's yep. a great writer. And they really talk about this idea of choice and where this why, how does choice get elevated? Because when I first was introduced to that concept, I didn't understand it. I remember watching a movie, I think it was like the well, I don't want movie. And they keep emphasizing, because I choose, I choose. It was the dumbest thing to me because they didn't even talk about what their choice was. They just emphasized that they got to choose. Sure. And I didn't realize that movie was preaching a worldview to me, uh -huh. but it was so confusing because it made no sense to me because I'm like, I don't care that you get to choose. What do you choose? What is your voice? Because common sense says your choice, what you choose matters. But they weren't even talking about it. They were focused on the fact that I get to choose. Yeah. I get to go and choose and drive a car off the cliff. I'm I'm the it's man you, because I get to, I get to choose. I'm like, but but you crash your car and you die. Like I don't common sense. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's yeah. a common sense because I haven't been uh, uh, brainwashed into this ideology of choice. But these books, uh, I was reading one of them, and they were just talking about how choice is actually a natural consequence of secularism and godlessness, and connected dots for me, which I thought, whoa, that was I. I couldn't connect those dots myself, but that's what happens. Well, it's it's autonomous choice. And again, to, to go back to ideas of consequence, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, the popular worldview was existentialism. Yeah. So you find yourself here existing. You're here, but you're here not by your choice. You're just, you're here, not by, there's no ultimate meaning. There's no ultimate purpose. Life's not going anywhere. So the only meaning you have is yeah. your choice. Yeah. And no one's there to tell you whether your choices are good or bad or idiotic, stupid, yeah. prosperous. You know, there is no God. Right. So... All that matters is that you freely choose. And, and this is really, we see this in our culture today. I mean, we hear things like, Andrew, just be authentic. Don't let anybody, your parents, yeah. God, your pastor, yeah. the Bible, don't let anybody tell you what to do. Just do what you feel is right. <laughs> just follow your right. heart. Right. Uh, you know, just, whatever you choose, the fact that you chose it. Right. Makes it virtuous. Now, that sounds so great, like in a vacuum. But just imagine someone come and tell your kids that. You know, oh, yeah. tell your kids that don't listen to your parents, don't listen to your teachers, just choose. You want to stay home and play video games all night? That's your choice. Just, just put that in context. It sounds great in, in vacuum, oh, yeah. but in context, it doesn't fit reality. Now, again, we're not saying, hey, it's not great that in America we get to choose our own toothpaste or choose our own colleges or our career. What car we want to drive. Yeah, car. I mean, yeah, those are great things. But taking to that extreme and become something we worship now you're creating a whole other idol. And that's the idol. So here's the, here's the seductive part. You know, yeah. That's the world. Yeah. The world loves that because yeah. basically what you're saying is you're your own God. You're the captain of your own ship. Your yeah. life is yours. Write your own story. Right. Do what you want to do, blah, 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 blah. We, we don't bother to let to tell people, hey, this might not turn out so well for you. Right. But here's the challenge. That's a worldly, godless ideology. But what happens when that creeps into the church? Mm, yeah, yeah. And... Uh, and that's what's happening today. And that's where one social commentator used the phrase, and I love this, build a bear Christianity. <laughs> yeah, you, know, yeah. you talk about that. I'm going to put the, put the shoe on your foot. You know, What does it mean, build a bear Christianity? Yeah, I actually never 
You build a bear for my kids yet? No. I don't what think kind I'm, of parent are I know, you? I know. I was like, I heard your sermon. I was like, maybe I should take my kids. No. <laughs> yeah. After the sermon, not doing that anymore. But I, the idea is you pick and choose. You go through your religious, your, your Christian aisle, your Christian buffet, and you're like, hmm. Uh, I'm not familiar with Bill of Bear, but I'm very familiar with Chinese buffet. You, know? <laughs> you go in there like, I want, some of, I want some of the egg roll, that pizza stuff. You never eat pizza at the Chinese buffet, <laughs> yeah, so I'm not, I don't want there? some of that. You know, like this love and compassion thing sounds really good, but this whole sexual ethics and about sex reserved for marriage, I don't think I love that. This whole righteousness, fasting, no, definitely I don't want any of that, that stuff. Obedience. Obedience and live for Repentance. him. Uh, suffering, persecution, no. No, I don't want that. That's like the pizza Deny of the yourself. buffet. Yeah, I don't want denying yourself. That's Take like away your cross. That's like spiritual uh, broccoli. Yeah, yeah no. who wants that? No. Yeah, no. The broccoli Chinese buffet is actually good. <laughs> yeah. You guys like that. Yeah. But, but people that don't like vegetables, yeah. you know, that's the beauty of a buffet. You just right. you skip over all the green stuff, right? And you go to all the the dessert. Yeah. And you know, there's a, a lot of pastors today, the the woke ones, in their desire not to preaching a gospel that's offensive or a gospel that demands anything, we just preach all the dessert, you know, come back for the pie, for the cake, for the sweet stuff. Yeah. We don't bother telling people that at the at the essence of Christianity, at the core of Christianity, it is a shift of loyalties and it is an absolute submission right. to Jesus. Right. In other words, you're not your own. Right. You have submitted yourself to the authority of God through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and we are under the word of God, which yeah. means everything God has spoken to us. Our job is not to question it. Our job is not to pick and choose. Our job is not to sit in judgment of it. Our job, and here's a dirty word in the church in America, our job is to submit yeah. to the clear instruction of God over every part of our life. And that's what the discipleship journey is all about. That doesn't happen instantly. I mean, we, we say in our heart, yes, Lord, mm -hmm. but then we fight that, yes, Lord, every day we wake up, right? But to I, say yes. Absolutely. And I think that disposition of your mind, because all this stuff we're talking about choosing, I mean, there's one word to describe it throughout history. It's called humanism. It's humanism. It's, it's, you call it what you want. You can put fancy terms. You can dress it up. It's humanism. You're worshiping. You can call it Marxism, utopianism. You can call it woke, whatever. Isms. It's humanism. <laughs> You're putting man above God, and that's been that's been happening since the Garden of Eden. Right. This is not novel. God creates this amazing, perfect environment, right, yeah. for them to flourish. Yeah. Because He loves them, and He says, "Except this one tree. Right. All these other trees, and we have yeah. no idea how many there were, but I'm sure right. God's incredibly creative. There's right. probably an abundant, a super abundance of blessing right. and options. Just don't do this. And and as we are talking about, isn't it amazing? What do human beings do? Wherever God puts up a fence, we want to kick it down. Yeah. Wherever God says, do not enter, there's a million doors where they're swung wide open. Yeah. One door, do not enter. We're, we're the ones trying to get in. Yeah, we're, we, and in fact, we're in a culture now, I was saying this earlier, we're in a culture now in which we go for, we have access to everything, all the things we enjoy. We go for the one thing that's taboo, and we kick the fence down, we don't even like it. We don't even enjoy it. But we just because there's a fence up, we want to kick it down because we want to say, I get to choose. Sure. That's the pinnacle of humanism. So look at the sexual ethic. God says, okay, 
Sex is this amazing thing he creates. Yeah. I, I, it's so precious and so awesome. I want to guard it. I want to guard it within the confines of marriage covenant so that you share this experience with one other human being for the rest of your life. And if you do that, you're going to experience maximum sexual fulfillment and blessing. Mm -hmm. That is the truth. That's what all the social science data proves. Yeah. What do we do? Oh, well, we don't want to wait till marriage. We're going to have sex outside of marriage. Oh, I don't want to have sex with just one person. I want to be free to have sex with whomever I want. Oh, I don't want to have sex with the opposite sex as God intended. I want to have sexual encounters with the same sex. Oh, I don't want to have sex with an adult whom I chose to marry. I want to have sex with children. Oh, I want to have sex with animals. I want to have sex with a dead person. I mean, you think this is all crazy and perverted. This is all in the Bible. This, yeah. this is where human nature goes when we reject the truth of God's word. And, and, and I shared Sunday, this, is, this should disgust us that in a state like California that is falling apart, it's godless, it's wicked, uh, it's burning to the ground as we speak, it is full of problem after problem, the priority, the agenda of the California state legislature was to lower the age of consent with minors where adults could have sex with younger and younger kids. I mean, we are moving towards such sexual darkness and perversion. And the point was, there's something in human beings that wants to kick down every fence that God has erected. Yeah. It's part of rebellion. It's part of sinfulness. The problem is when that attitude and that lifestyle gets in the church, yeah. then it becomes something very, very wicked, and it it, it causes us to lose our voice. And yeah, we got to carefully guard. Now, I like to tell my young people I used to teach at school, and I tell my kids, like, you guys think rules are terrible. Let me just ask you a question. How fun would a game of basketball be if there's no rules? Yeah. <laughs> How fun would a game of football? Like, in basketball, you just, everyone running around with the ball and just start punching each other. It's like, when there's no rules, no one's going to play that game. No one's going to play. Everyone's going to leave. Except the biggest and the strongest. Yeah. And they're going to be by themselves after a while. You know, God put guidelines up and boundaries yeah. and limits on because that's part of his nature. Boundaries are good. They're, they're godly. For some reason, we think boundaries are evil and bad. You know, humanism, once again. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so the point is this. The modern seduction for the church that we're facing right now is will we live our lives on the basis of the world, which says you be, you be in charge, you choose, you pick and choose. What do you like? What do you don't like? What part of the Bible do you think is true? Yeah. What part of the Bible, ah, that's a little distasteful. You know, we have a lot of woke pastors and we have a lot of woke denominations that are literally selling their birthright to uh, theological revisionism where they're saying, oh, well, you know, maybe we should embrace gay marriage. When the Bible clearly teaches that that's wrong, when the Bible clearly teaches that that's an abomination, we are selling our soul to accommodate to the culture, and we're doing it thinking that somehow either God was stupid, out of date, that it doesn't apply today, or we do it as a strategy to think that somehow if I, if I compromise on the clear commandments of God, somehow that's going to make the gospel more palatable. Yeah. But in doing so, we lose the gospel itself. Right. We're not even preaching the gospel anymore. We're preaching a Build-A-Bear gospel of our own making. You're going to trick people into this 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 salvation that you have altered into your own image. And then hopefully they will, what, bear fruit and become more? I mean, I, I don't understand the logic of that. But that was so appealing to people. Oh, and, and I don't I don't think people understand legitimate struggle with the word of God. 
Because, you know, I just for me, like when I read the word of God, there are things that seem to me really confusing. I don't understand and seems like an insult to my common sense, whatever. Absolutely. And there's stuff I still wrestle with. But people don't understand wrestling with the scripture, with humility and saying, God, how about this idea? Your experience <laughs> does not encompass all of man's experience. You know, I'm I'm 40 years old. I look at like the 20 year old self me. Yeah. Oh my goodness! When I was in college, I thought I was. You a were smart. so much smarter when you I were 20. I was so. I knew it all. I knew it all. And there were people who come and try to tell me like, "You guys are really cocky right now," and we just thought, "Man, you don't even know what you're talking. About. You don't know how smart you're so I am. out of date. You don't even know what you're talking about." I mean, there's a level of humility as I get older to realize, "Wow, I I look back my 20 year old. I want to go and just." Just tell him what's up. That, that's yeah. why there's a lot of truth when people say, you know, it's easy for, for you to be progressive and liberal when you're young and single. Yeah. But when you're married and you start having a family yeah. and you realize, oh, my gosh, I'm responsible for another human being. Then you realize you have more questions than answers and you have Absolutely. a whole lot more humility than arrogance and pride. Because you realize, oh, my goodness, maybe I don't have it all figured. Yeah, I don't have the whole spectrum of human experience under my belt, my 20-year-old self, okay? But but even if you had all human experience, you don't have the whole ex experience of, of reality universe. You're not the creator. You're not the creator. You're not the author of reality. And that's why when I approach, this is not the Bible, but say it was, when I approach the word of God, yeah. even when I hit those speed bumps, when I'm like, ah, I really wrestle, I don't understand all of us. What is our attitude? What, what is our understanding? And, and is my my belief that when I wrestle with it and when the Lord gives me a revelation, that deepens my faith. So the conflicts in the Bible actually, in the right context or the right attitude, deepens your faith. It doesn't make me believe less. It believes me even more right. um, because of of deep wrestling with humility. Well, I think it was Peter who said, uh, or James, I can't remember now, um, that that the word of God is a mirror. The word, in other words, when you open up the Bible, what do you see? You see yourself reflected. In other words, the Bible's reading you. It's exposing things in your heart. Yeah. It's exposing who you are. It's exposing your pride. It's exposing you know our arrogance about things. It's exposing our critical nature, our unbelief. In other words, the Bible reads me. I don't read the Bible. I'm not a. I'm not a literary critic. Right. Uh, I don't know how that could be true. You hear people. I don't. I don't know how social you know. commentary on the Bible. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Or every, every Easter, the you know Newsweek, Time Magazine come out with the latest attack on why Jesus really isn't God. You know. Yeah. And, and it's so stupid because it's it's little puny human beings uh, who are basically throwing stones at God Almighty, uh, trying to attack Him or bring Him down. And it's 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 foolishness. That's why again. Our job is to submit uh, and obey so that God might bring greater revelation. You don't get the revelation of truth by arguing and fighting with God and questioning God. Right. You get the truth by humbly coming before the Lord and saying, Father, help me understand. Holy Spirit, lead me into truth. Mm -hmm. Lord, I want to obey you. Help me right. to do that. That's when God begins to speak and reveal right. his more truth to you. It's so interesting because, you know, you talk about when you when you become parents— your world shift. Okay, when I got married, my yeah, world shift. That shifts. was a big shift. I was like, whoa, I am a terrible person. That's basically what I learned when I got married. I am really selfish. Nothing right? like a wife to show you oh, how selfish man, how we selfish are, right? I am, right? And then when I have kids, I'm like, wow, I am really selfish with my time and my energy. How about this? I am really inefficient with my time because I got to straighten that up. But but as I'm having kids and as my kids are getting a little older, they start to, it's interesting, they start to ask me questions based on their experience and context and worldview. Of course, when you're three or four years, 
four-year-old, that's very limited. Right. And when they start questioning, try the bigger issue. Why does uh, uh, my brother get to do that? I don't get to do that. Justice and, and justice and the issues, yeah. And and in context, though, they're in stand. They seem so justified. Mom and dad seem so wrong, but based on their tiny bit of experience, even if I I look at that situation, I'm like, even if I can explain the wisdom what I have, you wouldn't even understand it because your capacity is so small at four year old. You know. Right. Well, how about have you ever had the dinner struggles? Little Andrew, I want you to eat your vegetables. Yeah. Why? Because we know vegetables are good yeah. for kid. And here you got your little three year old. Yeah. No, and they just sit there obstinate. They're gonna, they're gonna like rot and die in that chair before they open their mouth and put those right. peas in their mouth. And you, as an, an adult, are looking at them like, "What is your problem?" You know, here they're attacking your authority right, right. as a parent, like you don't know what's best for them. It, it's the same thing, only magnified a million, a million times. times. More. It's, it's interesting. One time, I actually, my son asked me a question that was a little bit deep, but he had no capacity to truly understand the story, the, the reason why. So, for experiment, I just actually. Talk to him like an adult. I just start explaining the nuances of this and this. I see the eyes glaze over. And Using I was a vocabulary like, that yeah, he's going to I'm, no I'm explaining as if I'm, I'm preaching a message. I'm yeah. actually talking to adults. Just, you know, I'm like, you ask me a question, I'm going to go ahead and get an answer. And he's like, okay. And he just like walks away, not asking that question again. And I'm just like, how much more will like, God, why is this and this? And God's like, if, if I explain to you, I mean, it's almost like when he starts to Job is questioning yeah, God, right? Just and, and God's like, "Do you God. know when the di- you know, when the, when the dinosaur or whatever yeah. and start throwing this down?" And Job is just like, "Um, I'll go back to my hole, yeah. bare my head because I, my yeah, I'm really kind of done." And, and again, that is faith. That is the essence. Of, we're talking to the church here. We're not talking yeah. to people who don't know God. That is what faith should look like. And I think people are missing. People think faith is, I read the Bible. Again, it's not the Bible, but if I read the Bible, I need to understand all of this. And it all need to make sense. I all need to fit in my head. That's faith. No, faith is when you're like a child, you go to your dad, and you're like, I don't know why that my sister got this and I didn't get it. Yes. But I trust you love me. And I trust you have my best interest in mind. And I'm going to follow you. Absolutely. That's faith. Absolutely. And it's not a blind faith. It's not a faith that's not based on fact and reason. It's a faith that's based on incredible reason. There is a God. He has spoken. He has he talks. He reveals. We have his word. We have it in written form. We have the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. I mean, we have all the, the history of yep. biblical prophecy. It's like this isn't blind faith. Right. This is like connect the dot right. faith and quit being so arrogant and quit falling to the seductions of modern American life and thinking that somehow you can pick and choose which parts of the Bible or which parts of the commands of Jesus that you think you're, you know, have figured out you're sophisticated enough and, and you've come to agreement with, okay, I'll embrace that, but I'm not going to embrace these things. No, that 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 is, that is not the gospel. That is not discipleship. That's not what it means to be a Christian at all. And, and the problem comes in is when we allow that to happen, we lose the power and the essence of the true gospel. Yeah. The church becomes no different than the world. And that's the sad thing. Why do people want to go to these liberal, progressive churches that embrace the social agenda of the world? Yeah. There's no difference there. The people are not looking for, for where they fit in, like in a social club. They can go to the local bar 
and sit with their buddies and get drunk and you know and have fellowship and they, they, they and watch the news they they don't need to come to church um it's the power of the holy spirit it's the truth of god's word it's the transformation of the lives that we have it's the demonstration of the glory and power of god to change people and to bring blessing that is the gospel that is our hope and when we when we water that down through through godless choices mm-hmm. or exalting ourselves as the end all, the final chooser, instead of God, where God has spoken, he's already made some choices, instead of submitting to those choices, um, there's so much at stake. And that's really what burns in my heart yeah. is we cannot lose the essence of the gospel. Absolutely. Uh, and right. we will if we if we fall back on a Build-A-Bear uh, salad bar buffet <laughs> uh, approach to the Christianity. Yeah. That's not going to end well. No, that's good. And, 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 you know, we talked about how, you know, there's a degree of mystery. But on the other end, the good father wants to reveal his mysteries to his kids. Oh, absolutely. But there, there's maturity and humility that's required. So when we come before the presence of God, man, I thought about all the things I have issues with. I don't understand the scriptures. And as I get older, as I have kids, as I'm growing my faith, more and more piece of this is revealed to me. While I'm, pre- I'm preparing for a sermon and I read this, and something dawned upon me. I'm like, oh, that's why this thing... God wants to reveal his mystery to his kids, but he will that mystery will not be revealed when we're arrogant and we think we're better and we're gonna choose. It comes out of humility, it comes out of maturity, and maturity comes from humility. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so so there's a tension point to that. It's like there are mysteries, but God wants to reveal his mystery to his kids. There are mysteries, and then there are things that aren't mysteries at all. Yeah. There are sometimes we tell our kids, you know what? This just because daddy said so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. that's a, a bit of a mystery. Right. There are other times though when, when the Lord says, Thou shalt not. Yeah. Or the Lord said, Thus saith the Lord. You know, right. thus saith the Lord. There's no mystery there. Right. Because what comes on the end of thus saith the Lord, which by the way is a phrase that happens hundreds of times in the Old Testament. So when a king would come in and send a send a, a messenger, and the messenger would say, Thus saith King Ming. Whatever came after King Ming. Emperor Ming. Emperor Ming. Uh, Emperor Ming. <laughs> All right, yeah, forgot. <laughs> Emperor Ming of the dynasty of uh, all right. So whatever whatever comes after that declaration, you're going like this because yeah. it's not where you go. Ah, I I agree with the emperor yeah. on that. <laughs> you know, you don't yeah. have a choice. Yeah, because the emperor is absolute authority. Right. Uh, and when that emperor makes a decree or an edict, that edict is binding. It is non-optional. It is true. And when God says, "Thus saith the Lord," through the prophets. Yeah. Or through Jesus, He speaks through His Son. Our job is to listen carefully, and then we have one response as followers of Jesus, and that's to obey. Yeah, to go yes, amen, obey. Because the cool thing is, we're not talking about an evil emperor or an evil dictator or an evil president or whatever the, the right. structure is. We're talking about a benevolent Father who is the Creator of all things, right. who loves us and who's trying to give us abundant life. So knowing his character means that we can say yes and amen to the commandment. And again, his commandments are not burdensome. His commandments are not life. a yoke. They give yeah, life. They bring us life. It's interesting because we live in a democratic republic. Not a democracy. We live in a democratic republic, which makes a big difference. Look it up. But we 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 live, sorry, we we live in the we're a citizen. But we're spiritual citizenship to a kingdom. Yes. And the kingdom is not democratic republic or democracy. And we get confused. It's interesting because when I read Lord of the Rings, not the movie, when I read uh, Return oh, of the read King, the book, huh? I read the book and I loved it. 
the movie did a good job, but the book was excellent. When I read Return of the King, this is what occurred to me because it was written by Tolkien, who's British. Yeah, and, and he was a Christian. He was a Christian, he's British, and he understood King. Because they had kings back then, kings and queens and royalty and back yeah. then. You know, yeah. now king, that whole king thing is really different now. But this is years yeah. ago. And But he, how he wrote about king and gave me understanding that I didn't really have because I never had a king before. You know, in America, kings are bad, right? We we we, right. we yeah. revolt who, against who, the king. Who are you we say, hey, who died and made you king? Yeah, well, yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> we make fun of our, the, the most king person is the president. We make fun of our presidents on uh, talk show TVs. You, know? you don't make fun of the king. That's right. You, you lose your head. You lose your head. And, 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 and that occurred to me is many Christians don't understand how to live in the kingdom because we're so used to live in the Democratic Republic. Right. We, we, we go to the Lord, hey, you didn't ask my opinion on Yeah, this. where's my vote on this? You know? Where's my approval on this, right? Yeah, you know? He's not asking yeah, in that situation, right? Because he knows better. He doesn't need to But ask. Jesus identified he's the king of kings. He he didn't have to use the king. He could be the benevolent president or the right. consultant or whatever. Nope. He identified himself as the king. King of kings, king Lord king. of lords. And uh, and and that's gives us one response. And that's submission. Now, I brought out a point on, on Sunday uh, that I think is very instructive for all of us. Um, right now, there is a battle between um, freedom of choice and religious liberty. And, and some people don't connect the dots, but these are important dots to connect. When we were dealing, for instance, with the, the, the battle in our state over special rights, constitutional rights, civil liberties mm -hmm. for LGBTQ uh, folks, mm -hmm. all right? Um, as a Christian, when you look at what those letters all stand for, letter L, letter G, mm -hmm. letter B, bisexual, mm -hmm. uh, T, transgender, you, mm -hmm. you break down each of the letters, you will find mm -hmm. that that's an advocacy for a lifestyle that God has already condemned. Every one of those forms of sexual expression, God has already said are, are, uh, are wrong. Mm -hmm. God said that. They're in the Bible. He's spoken. The problem is when you embrace uh, civil wrongs and you turn them into civil rights, moral wrongs, turn them into civil rights, what's at stake is religious liberty. Because as a Christian, no matter how woke that perspective is, I can never embrace it. Mm -hmm. Why can't I embrace it? Because God has spoken. The king has already dec decreed. Yeah. So now it becomes a matter of conscience. As a Christian, we are... We are duty-bound and conscience-bound, which means there are certain things we can never compromise with. Mm -hmm. You know, on, on, uh, on gay marriage, that, that's a non-negotiable for us. On the issue of life, non-negotiable. We, we are yeah. captives to our conscience. Yeah, it's our, not like it's even up to our choice. It's not our choice, but, but, but that <clears throat> is the problem. Yeah. Because people will say, why can't you just be more tolerant? Why can't you accept me? Why can't you embrace this ideology? You must not love me. You're attacking me. You're a bigot. You hate me. None of those things are true. At the end of the day, I am duty-bound to a higher authority. That's what it means to be a Christian. Right. I don't get to make up the rules. Right. I don't get to have Build-A-Bear sexuality yeah. or, 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 or buffet-style sexuality. Um, God has spoken. Thus saith the Lord. Our job is to remain uh, duty-bound to our conscience before God, which is what is the essence of religious liberty. 
That's why religious liberty is hated. That's why people of faith are hated, because we cannot be manipulated, bribed. We will not compromise. We have our, a forehead of brass. At the same time, this does not mean we're mean-spirited, we're hateful. Uh, it simply means there are certain things in life that are non-negotiable. Why? Because God has spoken, because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, because those things are not optional for me. They're off the table. And that's why our modern culture hates genuine followers of Jesus, mm -hmm. because we will not cave on certain issues. And they view that as bigoted, hateful, and intolerant. Yeah, it's so interesting because you think about, you know, like the baker who refused to bake a cake for uh, a gay man with a florist. Like, what what advantage would they derive from that decision outside of their conscience, a clear conscience? And people say, what's the big deal? Yeah. You know? it's And, and the only conclusion to come, come to is you're being hateful. It, I think all the hateful people, you truly are hateful, you will cave to all the stuff left and right. If you are truly hateful and you're just trying to survive and you don't really care about people, you don't care about God, you don't care about conscience, all the hateful people are survivalists. You know, sure. there is the no allegiance. The day, you, yeah. do, you make the choices that you make mm -hmm. based on what you perceive to be the best choice for you. Yeah. It's all selfish at yeah, the end of absolutely. the day. absolutely. And what's the most selfish decision? What's the most incentivizing decision is to cave into the pressures of court. The, Who wants to be sued all the way up to the Supreme Court? Go, go along to get along. Yeah. Um, then I can move along and secretly, you know, it's all posturing in our and I think our, I think people recognize it because authenticity is so valuable for the young people because they understand posturing. When you say, "Well, I endorse this person or this lifestyle," it's like you don't really know you endorse it. It's company endorse it. It's it's all posturing yeah. when they put billboards of stuff yeah, up. Why, so, why do I march in line with everybody? I don't want to lose my job. Right. I, I don't want to. Uh, I, I don't want to. Uh, you know, lose the promotion. Uh, I don't want in this cancel culture. I don't want to be the next person canceled. So I'll just come up with some type of mental gymnastics. Right. To, here's the problem, to justify my my ungodly choice while I try to call myself a Christian right. at the same time. And, and the contradiction is if you truly value, the, the secular culture truly value being true to yourself and true to be authentic to your whatever that means, why wouldn't they honor someone who has a conviction? They have no incentive whatsoever, not, not getting financial blessing or promotion, who wants to be sued, not, but not. they... They, now, now that right there mm -hmm. is a brilliant insight because we, on the one hand, the world celebrates choice, but they won't celebrate that choice. Right. And the reason they don't celebrate that choice is because that choice isn't a free choice. It is a choice on the basis of you responding to the obligation, the duty right. to submit to a higher voice. So they view that as not being authentic and true because you're not being true because you're not the chooser. And in that mm. sense, God's the chooser. Yeah. So, so it's a rejection of divine authority. That's good. That's good. They'll celebrate man-centered authority. Right. If you decide you wanna you wanna become a girl, uh -huh. they'll celebrate they'll that. Celebrate yeah, that even yeah. though you go, but you're not a girl. You're right. a man. You right. have male gen gen genetics, you got male body parts, you got male biology. You want to be a girl? Oh, we celebrate that. You know, right. if you want to dress up like a woman and go read books to kids at a library, uh, and, and you're all dressed up like a female, we'll celebrate that, no yeah. matter how bizarre and crazy that is. Yeah. But if you say that's wrong, or you say I cannot compromise on this issue be because of a higher authority, 
you're not authentically choosing. Hmm. Therefore, you're violating Very that. interesting. It's all is all rooted in rebellion against God at the end of the day. That's the root of it. And that's why I think we need to understand this is not like, oh, let's have a round point discussion about this. This is a clash of worldviews. There is like no take prisoners in terms of these conflicting no. worldviews because by definition, you have rejected, this worldview has rejected that my submission to a divine source because I am not choosing, I'm submitting my choice to yeah. the one who's most high. And our and our message is radical. I don't, I don't want anybody that's listening to miss the radical nature of this message. You are not your own. You're not here by your choice. Yeah. You're here by God's choice. You didn't create yourself. God created you. This world is not yours. You didn't create it. None of it belongs to you. Not one square inch belongs to it. You're a steward. God Almighty is the foundation of ultimate reality. What he says is true, period. He yeah. created it. He is the author of it. No discussion. No debate. That's who he is. That's how he rolls. He sent his son Jesus. He said there's only one way to be saved. That sounds so narrow and 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 and, and not inclusive. It sounds so exclusive. Well, that's because it is. There's one way to be saved. It's through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Well, who said that? God said that. God sent his son. God raised his son from the dead. God said he's coming back to judge the earth. God determines who goes to heaven. God determines how you go to heaven. God determines how you get saved from your sin. Yeah. God determines the rules for how you live your life. Welcome to Christianity. And if you'll follow God, the author of life, you will experience life to the fullest. That's what it means to be a follower and a disciple of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Wow, that's a radical message. Yes, it is a radical message. <laughs> it's a message. radical message, but it's crazy that it's radical in our day and age because these, yeah. that's like the message. It's, it's a normal message of Christian <laughs> that's, life. That's Christianity that's 101. Christian 101. And it's interesting. I have a buddy who came and he was sharing with me how he has given his business back to God, made literally God the CEO. He's just an employee of his own business that he's, he's created. And that challenged me so much that... For us, this is my pastoral counsel, my pastoral exhortation is, this is a battle you gotta fight every day, that you don't belong to you. And there are some practical ways to help you. For example, recognize your kids don't belong to you. Your yeah. kids belong to the Lord. How about this? Recognize your wife don't belong to you. That's right. When I realize that my wife belongs to God and that's his daughter, I am now my mentality <laughs> you take shifts. much better care of her. Oh, I change everything I say, my tone of voice, how I spend my money, everything shifts because she is not. Now, no, our ultimate goal is our life don't belong to ours. Yeah. But God gives our children, our wives, and our jobs, our responsibilities to help. But to help us understand that everything belongs to the Lord. But as we as we return consciously every day, work at returning everything to the Lord. Because wake up, I think when I wake up in the morning, default is all about me. And then we have to go to the Lord and say, hey, this is not about me. Lord will bless it, grow it. Yeah. Your kids will be so much better than you, your wife will prosper and grow when you recognize they belong to him. Yeah, that is so good. And, and so they get blessed, your kids get blessed. Yeah. But the cool side is I get blessed. Oh, yeah. Because I realize, wow, uh, the Bible says that when a man finds a wife, he finds favor from God. Yeah. So my wife is a blessing not only to the Lord but to me. Yep. My children are a blessing from the Lord, but they're not mine. I'm a steward of them. Your life is not yours. And you know when you give your life away and you just simply recognize that that, that you don't belong to yourself, you belong to the Lord, you live for yeah. His glory, then a perfect alignment comes and you become 
blessable. In other words, God can release his goodness and kindness to you because you're not acting like you're him. Uh, You're being a creature. You're being submitted. You're honoring the Lord and you're living out the way that he created you to live. That that is liberty. That is true liberty. That is true freedom and true blessing. Uh, And our job is simply to yield and to submit and to joyfully obey the Lord. And so I just want to encourage, if you're listening today and and, uh, maybe you call yourself a Christian or you consider yourself a non-Christian, but you've heard this message, this message is liberating. This message is the pathway to maximum joy and blessing both now and eternally. And so we want to encourage you uh, to simply stop right now, bow your head and just say, Lord, I forgive me for living my life and me being the sovereign chooser of everything. Lord, let me submit joyfully to your purposes for my life. Jesus, forgive me and come into my life. Be my Lord, be my Savior, be my, as Andrew was saying, be my King. You be the one who calls the shots. And praise God, he is a benevolent King. He is a good, good Father. You'll never, ever regret submitting your life to Jesus. You know, we're going to continue the series uh, uh, covering a couple more modern seductions in the next few weeks. We want you to make sure you tune in. And as always, uh, like and share this. Send it far and wide. Let people know about this podcast if you find it helpful. And, And one thing that helps us is just knowing, hey, is this hitting home? Is this speaking to you? Is this connecting some dots for you? What are some things that maybe we covered in this podcast that you would say, man, that was so helpful. Because uh, we, yeah. we want to interact with you and uh, and we want to make make this a, a, a dynamic discussion, uh, not just a monologue here. So yeah. any any final comments on your heart? Yeah, I, I actually have a short story. Uh, this came to my heart. You talk about the freedom in death. You know, uh, Chuck Colson wrote his book called Loving God. He mentioned this story. Uh, I forgot the people's name, but this story resonated with my heart. He talks about a, a a Russian prisoner um, who was, I guess, during the Cold War or whatever. He was in prison for the wrong way. He was innocent, but he was in prison. Yeah. And he um, basically, he was a doctor so that the, everyone treated him a little nicer because even the guards need a doctor. Right. So, uh, but he would see corruption all around him, but he wouldn't say anything. He would see these, these guards or uh, there would be gangs in the prison that would just take people's food and he wouldn't say anything because he's, he's all about survival. But one day he couldn't handle it. He he he. Now he was a Christian. He saw uh, injustice and he lost it. He just went to the guards. He reported the bad guys, and the the guards thought he was crazy because right. he basically signed his own death sentence. Right. So after he did that for the next couple of days, he just kept looking over his shoulder, thinking when when are these guys going to attack him because he he sure. he, he ratted down. them out. Yeah. yeah. But then he it dawned upon him. He says, "Wait a second, my I'm dead anyway." He's in prison right now. He's I'm dead anyway. Why don't I just do everything I ever wanted to do and just be yeah. live out this just life and just tell all the injustice, report to the guards and just do whatever I want. I'm dead anyways. And he wrote, he just talked about how free he felt. He was in time. prison. He was in prison. But he was and he free. wondered how he felt more free than he ever felt. And the people in the world, I just think about in our, in our free world, modern world, how many people feel they're free, but they're enslaved by sins and desires and money and bad relationship by their jobs, and they just feel so in prison. And here's one guy, because he already counted himself dead. He felt so free. And there was one night, there was a, a, a another prisoner who was super dead, like sick, Right and whatever, and he he started healing him and taking care of him, and he starts sharing his testimony and sharing the gospel. And the next day, um, this this young man who was sick woke up and he saw this doctor who was treating him was murdered that night. Uh-huh. But that's how this young 
But this guy became an author. The, the, the right. young sick person came out of prison and shared his story with the world. Wow. I remember reading that story and just be like, wow, that's what true freedom is. When you have truly died to yourself for Christ's cause, you don't care what social media says about you. You don't care about what, what God. If you want Jesus, if you want to truly live, you need to die. That's good. There is such wisdom to that that we don't, we read it. We're like, that's a cool thing to say. But this doctor in That's prison probably. understood the power of laying your life down, calling Lord, Jesus, your Lord. And he felt for those short days he had, he felt more free than the millionaires and billionaires in our modern America f- could feel in a lifetime. And, and, and Jesus said, don't fear those who have the power to destroy your physical body. Yeah. But fear the one who has the power, basically, to damn your soul to an eternal separation called, the Bible calls hell. That's the one we should be feared. Yeah. God Almighty, uh, not just this life in prison or whatever, you know, right. as he was murdered, but he experienced in giving his life away the true freedom, not just now, yeah, in the world's but, it, but in the life to come. Yeah. So that's what we're living for, an audience of one, not Amen. just for this world, but for the next world as well. Amen. Let me mention to you as well, uh, in the month of October on Wednesday night, I will be teaching a a class at our Roar Bible College on biblical worldview. If you've never been introduced to to what the Christian worldview is, um, this is an introductory course. It certainly is just a, an appetite wetter, but it's a great class, oh, uh, and it really introduces some key concepts into how to understand the world and, and basically the whole essence of why we do these podcasts. How to understand the world and what's going on from a God-centered. A biblically saturated uh, perspective. And so I'd love to have you be a part of that. You can register here at Living Stones or contact the church at 663-PRAY uh, and um, and see about that class if you would like more information. I think I took took the class three times. Well, there's always <laughs> you, something new. Yeah, you, you don't want to miss it, uh, especially if you have young kids or you have kids. I mean, in our world today, you have to understand all the messaging. After you you, you, you take the worldview class, every time you watch a TV show, <laughs> yeah. you watch a movie or a commercial, or you just be able to, a tagline for, you're just like, oh, that's from this worldview. Oh, this is from this. What is the message they're preaching Rene right now? Rousseau gave it, they gave that message. It's so great. It just helps you unlock the messages of our world today. And I encourage you, in yeah. our world today as a Christian, you you have to understand this. So. Yeah. Amen. That's a, that's, that's a good plug. I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, we love you guys. Have an amazing week. And again, share the good news far and wide. Uh, it really is the greatest life possible, yeah. living under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Bless you guys.